This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Sean Securis is a former professional player and U.S. youth national team coach. He is now a director at Los Gatos United in Los Gatos, California. In this episode, Sean and I discussed his biggest influences as a young soccer player. We also talked about his time playing for Siggy Schmidt at UCLA. And we also spent a good chunk of time talking about how to coach players like Christian Pulisic and Uli Yanez. And hearing Sean riff about that and how to utilize these crafty dribblers was my favorite part of this conversation. It was impromptu. It was authentic. It was real. And I just really enjoyed hearing him talk about his experience, especially coaching Uli uh, when Uli was with the U16 boys national team. Uh, We also spent some time talking about structured versus unstructured environments, and we shared some of our observations about those with each other. And if you would like to connect with Sean and you would like to follow the work being done at Los Gatos United, I've provided a link to their Facebook page, which is available on 343coaching.com. And while you're there, you're probably going to find more information about coaching possession-based soccer. Um, And if you want to teach your teams how to play possession-based soccer and you are looking for an education from proven practitioners, then 343 have the experience and expertise necessary to help you achieve your own goals. 343 are the undisputed leaders in possession-based coaching education in American soccer. The premium membership program gives you online access to the proven 343 methodology. David Copeland-Smith, the founder of Beast Mode Soccer, is in his sixth year as a 343 member. He said, and I quote, honestly, it's worth 10 times the yearly membership. You're not investing in the drills. You're investing in your education, a proven methodology, and a phenomenal community of of progressive coaches, end quote. Sorry about that stumble. Uh, The 343 Premium Membership gives you 24-7 access to video lessons, ebooks, and audio recordings. And together, these tools make it easy for you to learn and implement the 343 philosophy and methodology with your own teams. You can learn more about the benefits of the premium coaching membership program, or you can go ahead and sign up and start learning today by visiting 343coaching.com. All right, that's it for the intro. Please enjoy this episode of the 343 podcast with Sean Securis. All right. Um, well, let's uh, let's get started. Uh, let's uh, let's start with an introduction from you. So tell people who you are, what you do, and 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 where you do it currently. And then uh, I'll 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 take you back to maybe some of the the earlier stuff, and and we can kind of dissect your your past a little bit as a player and a, as a coach. Sounds great. Cool. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, Sean Chikaris from northern originally from Northern California, uh, Saratoga. More specific, just outside San Jose. Um, yeah, born and raised, grew up in this area. Went to a all boys uh, high school and uh, ended up going to UCLA and playing four years at UCLA. Um, currently, you know, between you know growing up and, and now, certainly 
taken me all, all over the country and in certain parts of the world. But currently now, as a director of Los Gatos United, which is just in my hometown, just outside Saratoga, um, I've been here for just over five months. Um, certainly a, a good project and an exciting project. Um, but that's currently where I'm at. Um, I've been a part of the youth national teams as a player um, under 20 World Cup and youth national teams starting at 14 all the way to 20. Um, was drafted out of UCLA um, to New England Revolution. Played there and then played in uh, upstate New York in, in the A-League. And of course, as a young player with a European passport, always trying to go to Europe. So tried that and um, never quite good enough to, to make it and to stick. Um, started, like I mentioned, started to play at in Rochester, played there for four years and just really found a home. I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, career was cut short. I was uh, diagnosed with uh, testicular cancer, but it was stomach, lymph nodes, lungs. Um, so, you know, the next best thing that you end up doing after you power through that and get through that is uh, you want to stay in the game. And so now I'm, I've been coaching for the last 15 years, and uh, now I'm the director of a club, Oscaros United. It's a lot of stuff we can dissect in there, actually. Um, one of the first first things that you mentioned, and one of the first things I wrote down is you said that you went to UCLA, and I'm not I'm not too familiar with the timestamps on your story. So the thing I wrote down was was Ziggy question mark. So were, were you part of or, or part of the programs that Ziggy had at UCLA, or was that after him? No, I uh, played two years, so Ziggy recruited me and brought me in and played two years under Zig. Um, won a national championship our first year, and that was a, just a fantastic experience. You know, I have nothing but fantastic things uh, and respect for Zig, um, not only because he brought me in, but just kind of things that he taught me and just the, the amount of respect I have for or what he had done to bring me in, but then in his personal career and what he went on to do. And, um, you know, touching on Zig a little bit, uh, you really don't recognize and realize the impact he had on the sport um, until you, uh, until, you know, he's gone and you go to his funeral and you realize, wow what an impact he made on the sport in that time frame that he was a part of it. So um, certainly a ton of respect. And that was a fantastic time of just the growth and meeting people and, and growing as a young, as a young footballer, but also as a young person. So my time at UCLA, I really enjoyed. And then Todd Saldana, who's now the director of LAFC, he took over for Zig at UCLA I played two years for Ziggy and two years for Todd and um, just a fantastic experience all the way around. I want to go like one step backwards actually into your, into your youth career growing up in, in Northern California, Saratoga specifically. What was the, what was the Bay area club soccer scene like when you were 14 to 18 and kind of in that recruiting 
age range and, and you actually mentioned that you were part of the national team program already at u14 so what was what was the club soccer scene like and and maybe um uh in in comparison to today because i know that the the, yeah. the bay area scene yeah. today is no. exploding yeah no question like listen i i kind of chuckle at what it was back in the day um almost wild wild west right like i i grew up with brothers and their buddies that were playing and just uh, lack of a better term, we were junkies with it, right? And we grew up with it. Um, it was always around, and so I definitely uh, target that and look back at my childhood as a young footballer, and it's like I was uh, consumed by it, right? Um, when you compare it to today and certainly the way that we want to run things in our club at Los Gatos is I just, I associate my upbringing in the sport uh, with like joy and smile and um, really loving the sport. And it started with just the connection with the ball that I, I always felt really comfortable with the ball. And I know that that was the upbringing that I had, right? Um, less structure, more go and play and enjoy the game. And for that reason, I have this connection in my 40s. Like, I love the sport. You know, people were complaining the other day that the women's game was on at the same time as the Cold Cup final and Copa America final. It's like I couldn't have smiled more about that day and having buddies over at the house and my family and kids and everyone watching the game. Like, that's what it's about for me. And I think, you know, you were just asking, John, like, comparing my upbringing in the area to – um, kind of full circle now as a director, I almost want to bring that joy back to the sport a little bit. Um, I feel, and, and I have a ton of respect for the work that people are doing. Um, I, I'm careful because I often think that it's too structured for young players. And uh, I don't know. I certainly don't see that everyone is enjoying and loving the sport the pressure of maybe parents or the pressure of, of we have to play this system in this way. And how about just throwing a ball sometimes and here, go and enjoy the sport, especially at a young age. Um, and so for me, I associate, you know, I had my uncle Joe and my brothers as a coach, my uncle Joe's an electrician. And it's like, he was a part of, you know, my upbringing as a coach or as, as a young player. And, certainly didn't have a massive background and, and a UEFA A license and no, but he uh, invested time in young players and the creative piece and the um, the way that he coached our team was like, here, here's a ball, go and enjoy playing and and that freedom almost created this this connection with the sport and with the ball that I don't always see these days. And we certainly want Sean Blakeman, who's the other director in Los Gatos, Sean and myself would love to almost bring that back of a little bit less structure, especially at the young age. Um, let's not associate the sport with stress or pressure or scholarships or uh, Barcelona style. Like, let's associate it with enjoyment and fun and smile and still competitive um but almost 
that type of creativity and freedom for our young players. Did you did you grow up with like that communal family love of the sport? You meant you mentioned you had the the Euro the Euro passport. So I'm curious, um, you know, about the background of of your of your parents and, and your other family yeah. members and how that kind of influenced you as a young as a young athlete as well. Uh, yeah, I would say, um, you know, my father was Greek. Um, passed away when I was in my twenties. Um, my mother's Portuguese from the Azores, so both so the European background. My stepfather, who's from the northern spain basque country um was a soccer player himself um no question i mean i just mentioned all of it but my dad was less of a, of a footballer but more of just a uh hard-working uh, owned restaurants and owned the, the typical american dream he came here with not much and uh ended up having a great life and my mom the same um i would attribute the the support that I had from my parents and again, no stress or um, lack of a better term, like uh, hanging over my head, this, 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 uh, nothing about the game was negative. Nothing about the game was stressful. Everything about the sport was just joy and playing and smile. And so I associated the sport with all of those things. Um, So less, pressure or push from my parents more just support from parents um but i would really say my brothers are 10 and 12 years older than i am and so with those guys as players and in that generation of hey let's go ride our bike to the park and play and all of a sudden at west valley college there's eight on eight and nine on nine and i'm thrown in the mix with these guys like that was we didn't have a coach there. We had guys just wanting to play. And I'm talking about hours. And, you know, um, again, I know we're jumping around, uh, but I'm relating it to the player these days of a 12-year-old that comes to training in foam rolls because he trained over an hour last week or yesterday. And now, you know, we really need to um, – structure his training and he's 12 like let this let this young player boy or girl let them play and i respect how sophisticated the game has gotten so i want to be careful um but i also would stress that we should be careful that we are too structured and we've almost lost that joy of just let's just go and play and i'll give this example actually john that um i two days ago i just ran a session for my son and his buddies, right? And it's not a private training and it's not this. It's just, hey, we have access to a field and how many of you guys want to play? And there were 12 guys. And they did not start the match until they figured out what formation they were playing. We're talking six on six, small sided with cones at the small cones at the end as goals. And I'm putting very little structure in that on purpose to see how they respond. And they were discussing this formation for six, seven minutes. And I'm like, this for me is exactly what is wrong. And they're 12 and 13. And what happened to the day of like, here, take your shirt off and play here, put the goals down. 
and let's just compete and get after it and enjoy it. And that's just a small example of kind of what I'm getting at, right? This overstructured of how are we playing instead of, hey, let's enjoy the part that we're at in the in the game itself. No, that, that what you bring up is actually something that we've uh, as a as a company three four three we we kind of dabbled with running a Friday night program, and it was supposed to be really centered around pickup soccer. But we because parents and players and, and just the American soccer culture right now has has kind of um, gotten accustomed to structure. We we kind of offered a little bit of structure with it like you know some some exercises or drills or whatever and then the the end of it was always supposed to end with pickup soccer and one of the observations we had is that kids don't don't really know how to start a pickup game anymore or the kids that that were there like they like like you just mentioned they didn't they didn't know how to just just you know kick a ball and and, you know start playing they had to well most of the time they stood there until somebody told them hey it's time to play they, they didn't take the initiative to just start the game on their own and then you know, they went through those similar things of hey, i'm going to play this position you're going to play this position i'm going to play this over here it's like that you don't need to do that in pickup soccer just play and, and that that is kind of uh it's kind of gone i i, I know I, I i learned that mostly through pickup basketball just in my neighborhood when when I, I was growing up when i was like you know 9, 10, 11, 12. We didn't have pickup soccer as much as my neighborhood, but that's where I, I learned it. And, and kids today, it just seems like that's so absent. It's so foreign to them to experience that, which is which is strange. Yeah, and listen, John, and I'll say <clears throat> this is a topic that my staff and I have already discussed. Of That will no question be part of our curriculum. Well, what do you mean? And, and don't we need structure? And don't what do we do and build up in phase one? And no, 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 no. Because oftentimes, with as structured as we've become now, we are no longer developing the personality of the player and the backbone of a player. And so, in all the things that come with uh, unstructured training, meaning a pickup game, the ball goes out of bounds, you don't look at authority, referee or coach, to see whose ball it is. And that's a personality that I feel like we lack here. And I'm really careful to say American because it may, because then it maybe kind of gives this negative connotation of, uh, I don't like American players. That's not it at all. But we are very green. And I want to get that culture of football there. I, and, and if we can do it by being a director in this club, and this is something that we offer as part of our curriculum, that coaches, obviously safety is first. So make sure that the environment is safe. But other than that, Coach, whose ball is it? Coach, whose pennies and who isn't? Coach, what are we going to? Coach, what are we? And you've developed, you've begun to develop and create a personality of, and it's okay, and the piece I'll even add again, it's okay to get into it with your teammate. It's okay to compete so much so that you guys are going to go at it a little bit because the learning piece after that is you make sure as the coach that they leave the field knowing and respecting that, hey, that's my teammate, and I'm going to thank you for competing so hard because you just made me better. And again, these days, with the type of child that we that I often see, is if I got into it with you at training, I wouldn't talk to you for four days. 
And that's where the coach can step in and say, hey, thank each other. Thank each other for competing as hard as you just did because you just made me better. And make sure that you give a high five or you hug each other or whatever afterwards because this is the sport. You must compete. It becomes very boring and vanilla if you're just out there to fart around. When did you uh, realize this was like an important component of you know player development were you were you conscious of it as you as you were growing up and going through your own developmental no. experience or or was it something that you learned in your first coaching job at the national team level or you, even now that you've moved on from that and you're starting this new project I think it's all I think it's all a process John I think it's uh, every experience that I've had as a as a player as a young coach and I still consider myself a young coach because you're still growing, um, <laughs> not physically. I'm five <laughs> seven on a good day, but no, like this mindset of like, uh, and and I want that to be contagious with my own staff. Like our mentality is that we continue growing, right? And so, going back to your question of like, uh, when did I learn it? I think it's all in the experiences of who was I as a player, right? What were my deficiencies? Because I had a ton. Um, and then what's my style as a coach? I want to give my players freedom. I want to, for them to be creative. God, I want them to enjoy it. Um, the last game I coached was uh, against Brazil in the Nike friendlies. And I just sensed that our group was really tight. And, hey, if we win this game, then we win the friendlies. And we're getting off the bus. I said, stop, stop. Look around. Look around at each other. Soak it all in. And you must enjoy this piece. You never get this back. I get that. And if you're a little tight, if nervous is part of it, but embrace that feeling, right? And so, you know, is that a big game for a young 17-year-old? Of course. Um, I want them to enjoy every step of the way. And so, again to go back to when did I gather that piece of how important that is um, in all of the experiences. As I, as I was as a player, I don't know if you have many players who love taking players on. You know, we, we talked about Christian Pulisic, and I, I love watching him play. With 370 million people in our country, we're talking about one player. And he's a world-class player. I mean, and, and I hope that he has a fantastic career in Chelsea, but so far he's been excellent, right? He's been fun to watch and a breath of fresh air. How many guys do we have like that? Um, certainly less than we can count on our fingers on one hand. Um, and I almost feel like we need those players, right? Less structure. You know, we, we talk about Christian. There's not much structure there. I, you know, what makes him exciting is um, his creativity, and the fact that Berhalter is allowing him almost to kind of feel the game and run it, guys, and that's enjoyment. Like, he looks like he's enjoying it. Um, and I can't always say that about our young players growing up. I can't always say that. 
Yeah, one of the one of the players that that you started to call into youth national team camps is somebody that that I I you know have a personal relationship with him and his family, um, but but somebody that I I think also kind of encapsulates what you're what you're talking about, which is Uli Yanes, and and thinking back to a couple of the games I watched when he was being coached by you in the I think the U yeah U seventeens or U sixteens. You 16s or you 17s? Right. Um, I started with him with the 16s. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you kind of, it, it seemed like you gave Uli the freedom to, to, you know, hang out on the on the left wing when the ball comes to him. Hey, take people on. Be, you know, be creative. Be dangerous. And, and I'm thinking back to a game against Japan specifically when you guys played Japan. And, you know, that Uli just looked like, it looked fun. It was fun to watch. And he had an, a, a great game, an exciting game. And, and... I'm I'm curious at, at what point did you start looking for players like that? Like what uh, when when did you start looking for that characteristic as a coach or or did did you as a coach consciously um make that decision to start looking for those players? Yeah, so I think the first comment I need to make is the work that the Galaxy did for the national team there, right? I mean, the reality is Brian Cliven had him for the years that he did and I think that he did uh, a very good job with him, right? Um, and the piece that I don't think uh, is discussed enough is no matter the stage, Yuli always felt like he could run at anybody. And um, I, I certainly wasn't going to be the guy to take that away from him, right? One, I recognized the value that he brought. Two, he... Uh, he needed to give us structure in terms of you got to work for the team, and he always did. Um, but then, no question, we highlight our strengths. And so we would run training sessions to isolate Yuli, to isolate, and not just Yuli, but players like that. Like, and, and that's the tactical piece that players need to be aware of, of what makes our team tick. We need to get him the ball. And if he's alone and he doesn't get it, you we've got a problem. And um, and then to encourage him, hey, you lose the ball trying to run at somebody at the right moment, I will applaud you for that and I'll hug you for that um, because you're trying to do what's best for in that decision at that moment at that time. And for that reason, uh, yeah, you will always play for me if I ever have a, a chance to, to coach that guy again. Like, certainly enjoyable, but that's just one player. And... I also gave, I hope my players would say the same thing, gave them the freedom to play. And no question that there's structure, no question that there's an identity and a, and, and a way that we want to play. Uh, if, the, if the opponent is playing with two targets, we play this way. If the opponent is playing with this, with three, uh, we, we build out this way. They need to understand that. However, final third, um, I want that creativity to be there. And, and again, that's when we tie this all in, John, I would want to be coached that way, right? I would have wanted to be coached that way, given the freedom, but within the structure of a team, um, but the, the freedom to express yourself and run at players and, and be creative. And again, that's the enjoyment, especially at the 15, 14, 15, 16, 17 age, so crucial in their growth and development. Um, don't handcuff these young players. So yeah, Yuli's a great example because 
you could see the joy and the confidence in him every time he played. So I would say that's a good example. And it makes me think back to the most recent uh, U20 World Cup when the when the guys were over um, airballing where it was now, but it doesn't matter. Um, and, Poland, yeah, Poland, and, uh, and and you know some of the reactions from fans and and from media and kind of rightfully so, you know, when the when the guys are turning the ball over and not and no one player in particular, but um, you know, but the what they fail to realize is that th- those were in a lot of a lot of ways the right decisions even though they ended up being turnovers but the you know trying to trying to thread that pass in the final third or trying to take that player on a lot of times the guys up front were making very very good decisions it's just the execution wasn't you know it just didn't work out for them and and they they tended to get uh, I tended to see a lot of negative reactions from fans and from some of the soccer media. And I was like, well, you guys really need to, you know, dissect that a little bit further and, and look at the decision-making process that some of those guys were going through. And, and so I, I think that, you know, compared to maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, these guys are making much, much, much better decisions um, today than they, than they were then. And, and again, we're talking about a group of what, 20, 23 guys. So, uh, it's hard to talk about 370 million versus just, you know, the 23 that got selected for that team. So it's, it's, um, it's a hard conversation. Yeah, to have. I mean, the last thing that I'll, that I'll say, is, you know, I was <clears throat> certainly, I, I was disappointed that our group didn't go further and that's not a knock on, I, on, on tab or the twenties, I really enjoyed, and I mentioned this to tab, like I really enjoyed watching them play. And I think yep. that, um, they chose the wrong time to play their worst match. Right. Um, that I, I, I don't know if I could say anybody had a great game on that last match. Um, but I really liked, uh, that group in particular. Um, I think tab did a really good job with them. And the reason why I say that is uh, for once we would impose who we are on every opponent. And, and you could see that I wasn't in camp there. Right. I wasn't in on the inside. Um, I certainly know I think 99% of the players we had, I had at some point. Um, And so I know their personalities and you could see that they were enjoying playing with each other. You could see that they were com- that they were confident, and they were going after every team. And the stage was never too big to try to build. The stage was never too big to um, play the way they wanted to play, regardless of the opponent. And I want to see more of that from our national teams. Um, and I think we will have that with more and more players training and playing on a regular basis at a high level. And so MLS teams are doing better with their youth. Certainly all of our international guys playing internationally, that's helping our national team. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see kind of how this unfolds in the next five years. And I know 20 years ago we said, hey, in 20 years we're going to do this. But the steps that we've made in the last five as our, in terms of resources um, into the sport and the type of training that our players are getting and the recognition that our young players are getting, the environment that we're putting them in at a younger age, I hope that it transfers into, you know, our full national team soon. And I'm hopeful that that's the case. Absolutely. Me too. Um, 
Well, we uh, we flew through thirty minutes. <laughs> uh, really? I, I I definitely uh, if uh, we we kind of talked about it before we started recording, but if there's any way to get you back on here, I think that if we could uh, zero in on just one or two specific topics, I think that'd be good for everybody to hear. If you're if you'd be down, I'm always happy to do it. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm if it helps in any way or helps grow the sport or. John, I'm open. Uh, I'm open to help. So uh, anytime to reach out, I'm, I'm happy to take the time. Cool. Uh, one last question, Sean. Where where can people learn more um, or connect with you or learn more about the programs and everything that you guys are doing with, with uh, Los Gatos United? I mean, to get, I think uh, we've done a pretty good job on our website. We've done a pretty good job on, on our Facebook page, uh, Los Gatos United. Um, we've, yeah, I, I know that one of the things that the board and the club would like for me to do is something very similar to this is putting something out almost weekly or bi-weekly. Um, and it's not just, you know, my information or my opinion, right. But just football information and how can we continue to grow the sport that's been so good to us. Um, and so, um, that would be, you know, Los Gatos United, is is our homepage and and that's our website and certainly you can look it up look us up on Facebook but uh, I think in the next month or so we're going to be posting articles uh, that what we're all about which is I'm hopeful to kind of continue to grow or get this area back um, maybe to where it was a couple of years ago maybe 10 15 20 years ago where we were producing top top players and. Uh, we have not produced a top national team player um, in this area. And I'm sad to say that in our last World Cup in India, the U-17s, we did not have a player from California, which is unheard of and crazy and almost embarrassed to say it because I want <laughs> that to be. Um, but uh, neither here nor there. We move on, and now it's just our responsibility to grow the, the club and the sport. So um, I'm happy to help John in any way. So I look forward to uh, to speaking again soon. Absolutely, man. I uh, appreciate your time. And I think everybody else is, uh, is going to be very appreciative of hearing your thoughts too. So thank you. Fantastic. Speak soon. Thank you, John. All right, dude. See ya. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. 
Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review. And I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right. We'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. 